Welcome to Vision Drip, a podcast designed to give you a steady drip of our vision, mission, and DNA to establish and refine the gospel culture at Sacred City Church. I'm your host, Pastor Sam Schmidt, church planter and pastor of Sacred City Church in Moline, Illinois. I am so excited to have you with me as I hope this podcast helps to equip you as a disciple of Jesus in the everyday rhythms of life as we set out to make disciples, plant churches, and renew the city. Not only do I hope that this podcast helps you grow, but it would grow your affections for Jesus. So let's dive into this episode of Sacred City Vision Drill. thinking right before I sat down to do this, I just think how big of a miracle it is that I'm able to sit down in front of a microphone and for the most part, I've said this before, but I usually have a little bit of an outline of what I want to talk through to at least organize my thoughts, but I have this terrible tendency to start a thought and and not finish it. And and we had a meeting um, last Sunday and I'm, I was pretty sure I did this, and I I never really went back and listened to the recording to find out for sure or not. Because nobody nobody cared enough to circle back around, so maybe I didn't do it. But I have this f- terrible feeling that I start a thought that's maybe like a three three part thought, you know, and I start talking through the first part, and I never circle back around to parts two and three, and so I just think it's kind of a miracle and that I do this. And my wife says I do this all the time. I'll start s- talking. Um, at home, we'll be talking through something on the couch or whatever, and and she's like, "Are you gonna finish your thought?" And I was like, "Yeah, I don't think so." So it's just kind of a miracle, and uh, I can appreciate that. Maybe you can too. Uh, what I want to do today, uh, as we're coming off our annual covenant members meeting that we had uh, this past Sunday for the the, the members of Sacred City Moline, and uh, we are headed into the next round of church membership classes. What I wanted to do today is talk a little bit about church membership. It's one of those things that that it's around. Um, I know why it's important, but I'm not sure that uh, a lot of other people understand why it's important and why it's such an emphasis for uh, how we do church, and, and really it is a ministry of our church, I would say, um, if you want to use those terms. And so what I want to do today is talk about like what is church membership and why it's important um, because of of these uh, upcoming church membership classes. And so I, I would love to, well, if you're a member of Sacred City, uh, give, give you a little bit of weightiness to throw behind church membership. Uh, and for those of you who are not yet members of Sacred City, um, maybe give you some some biblical thoughts to inch you towards the pursuit of church membership. Now, when you talk about church membership, it's unlike any other form of membership you might be familiar with. Um, and, and, and so when we're talking about church membership uh, and defining it, it might be most helpful to start off with what church membership isn't. Church membership is not like a gym membership or being a member of a subscription sh- service where you pay a fee, uh, you get some sort of goods or services or privileges in return, and with that, you always have the option of opting out when it no longer suits you or you find something better that meets your needs. Um, that is a consumeristic approach to membership, and it, it's appropriate in some places, like it, you know, I think the economy is a good thing, the, the competition of the market. So it's appropriate to be a consumer in some places as far as like supermarkets and department stores, places that are actually designed uh, for consumers. But it is not helpful when it comes to understanding church membership. And I would even say that church membership is actually meant to, it's designed to put our consumeristic tendencies on the altar, because those those tendencies sort of seep over from places that, are, like, we, you talk about the economy that's meant to take place, and it kind of infiltrates our relationships. And so we we approach relationships from this transactional or this consumeristic approach of I'm friends with this person in order to get something uh, out of them. And so um, you, you know we won't, don't want to do that. We especially don't want to do that in in within the churches. Um, and so church membership 
is is designed to put consumerism in the right place and get it out of the wrong places. So it's it's not about consumers, nor is church membership simply putting your name down on a roster uh, as a matter of of a formality. Now I've I've heard of this in some churches um, that for some people uh, or some churches the the membership process looks like um, somebody standing at the front of the church and saying, "Who wants to be a member?" And uh, the new people would raise their hand, and right there on the spot, they become a member of the church. Or, or, or we've got those little connect cards in the pew backs. Um, maybe you just mark a, you check a little box that says, "I would like to become a member." And just because you check that box, uh, now now you're a member. It's sort of a shallow, um, sort of a formality. Nor, nor is nor is it a matter. In some cases, it's like, well. Uh, I'm going to put my. I'm going to sign up for a time slot when Olin Mills uh, is in town. I don't know if you've ever been part of that. If you grew up in the church and you remember those that Olin Mills agency photo agency that would go from church to church and set up a, a really tacky background and you get your uh, your family all piled in there and it's always a fight because mom's stressed out to make sure everybody's hair's combed and and the kids are acting crazy. They just had a fight in the car. Somebody's probably got a black eye or at least. That, that could have been the case in our family. We've got some crazy uh, family church photos that, that are just quite funny. I would love to pull them out, but I'll save my mother the embarrassment of some of her uh, hairstyle choices. God bless her. Um, yeah, so it's, it's more than just signing up for that time slot to get your photo taken for the church directory, okay? It, it's, it's something deeper than that. Church membership is actually uh, one of the primary tools meant to pull you out of your low commitment individualistic tendencies and place you squarely among the community of saints in an economy of giving and devotion. Okay. Church membership is meant to be this essential piece of your spiritual formation. It's not like this bonus piece um, for the super advanced Christians. It's meant for all Christians. And I would say, and this might come off a little strong, but I'm going to say it anyway, that any Christian that is not an active member, that is not actively committed to a church or moving toward church membership in a specific congregation is missing out on one of God's sweetest gifts, and that person is is a liability to the cause of Christ, right? They're, they're like a lone wolf doing their own thing. They've got they've got nothing tethering them down, no no posse to keep them in check. And and in his uh, treaty on unity in the church, Cyprian, who is an early church father, wrote um, his treaty on the unity of the church. He he has this this quote. Let me share with you. It says, "The spouse of Christ cannot be adulterous. She is uncorrupted and pure." She knows no. She she knows one home. She guards with chaste modesty and the sanctity of one couch. She keeps us for God. She appoints the sons whom she has borne for the kingdom. Whoever is separated from the church and is joined to an adulteress is separated from the promises of the church. Nor can he who forsakes the church of Christ attain to the rewards of Christ. He is a stranger. He is profane. He is an enemy. He can no longer love God, have God for his father, who has not had the church for his mother. Now, in that little quote there, um, he's equating this idea of being connected to the church as 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 a sign of devotion. Um, the spouse of Christ, the bride of Christ, can't be an adulterer. She can't be disconnected. So even talking about the individual members of the, the the body, right? When he goes into, you can't have God as your father if you have not had the church as your mother. And so he's saying stuff like, man, he's a stranger. He's profane. He's an enemy. Now this this might sound kind of like shocking um, and severe, but this is this is part of the histor- historic view of church church membership, this high regard um, for church membership. And while it might come off as a strong statement for um, some of us, especially those of us who didn't come from a a church tradition with a high regard for church membership, you might even be skeptical about this idea of church membership, of being committed to one local body. Uh, And and when we talk about church membership, um, especially for those who, who it's a foreign concept, you can hear people sort of murmur like and wonder, is this even a biblical idea? This, this concept of, 
of membership of a church, of signing up to be part of something. This this seems like a, a man-made idea. They might say, listen, th- this seems like something like cults do. It's a little cultish for me or, or a ploy to get people's money, or, or it's got to be at least to stroke the pastor's ego, right? To have this, this sort of well-rounded roster of members. Now, I don't want to deny that church membership can be contorted um, in any way. Because the prophet Jeremiah tells us that the heart is deceitful above all. So it's possible to take something good like church membership, and and you can do this with anything, whether it's sex or eating or sleeping. These are all good things. You can take them and, and you can pervert them and be uh, and ruin them in a sense. But but I want us to avoid the error of throwing out the baby with the bathwater, right? If we take that approach, because because there's such thing as adultery and sex outside of uh, uh, heterosexual covenantal marriage. Um, we shouldn't do away with with sex in general. And just because people are gluttonous or maybe have an eating disorder, we shouldn't just get away or get, get, get rid of, of eating and food or sleeping for that matter. Um, we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. What we want to do is reclaim what is good. That is what Christians do. We, we take what is broken we we uh we align it to the scriptures to see the goodness that God had uh, intended for it to be and and so what I want to show you here is that church membership is a biblical concept that was created by our Father in heaven so that his people here on earth would experience life in God's heavenly family. And so I want to take you to a few passages here real quick that attest to church membership, that sort of give us this vision of church membership and provide nuance uh, of what it looks like. It puts a little bit of flesh on the bones for us. And so let it, let's start first with the language of membership, because I, I think that this is this is uh, one of the barriers to having a, a right understanding of what it means to be a member of the church. When we say the word member, um, the common thought that is invoked is, is like this membership of belonging to a club. Um, I grew up in a, a small rural farming town on the other side of Iowa over on the Missouri River, um, and I was a member of the Silver Keg Feeders 4-H Club. I loved it, man. I lived for West Fair. I'm not joking at all, showing calves and sheep and pigs and you know, work projects and all that stuff. Loved it. I was a member of the Silver Keg Feeders, had pride in that. Um, but but when we talk about being a member of a church and to think biblically about membership, it's not we're not thinking in terms of being a member of a club. Rather, uh, the better way to think about it is being a member of the body. Um, the Apostle Paul says this in Colossians 1.8. It says, he, who is Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. So here, the church, and, and this is an illustration or imagery that is recycled throughout all of the New Testament, um, the church is the body of Christ. It is, is one body that is formed of both Jews and Gentiles through the gospel. So all people who have come to put their faith in Jesus Christ are, in fact, a member of the body. And, and most Christians, when you hear this, we understand this in the universal sense, right? We, we, can, we, can, um, we reckon with the fact that we are part of the body of Christ, that it exists for, through all time and space. So like with the the giants like Charles Wesley and George Whitfield and Martin Luther and, and Zwingli and, and uh, Calvin and all those dudes, John Newton, you know, we can say, all right, we're part of the same thing that they were a part of, the church universal. Um, and that is true. Um, we are part of that church. With the, we're part of the universal church with uh, the apostle Paul and the apostle Peter and 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 the cr- uh, the criminal who was hung on the cross that that accepted Jesus and was told that today he'd be with him in paradise. Th- those are all members. Uh, of the body throughout space and time, and, and of and of that body, we too uh, belong. But one thing that pe- people miss, especially when you read through the New Testament, is that there is a localized representation of the body of Christ within the local church. So the church universal is recognized and manifests itself in in a specific locale in a specific time. And place, and so when the Apostle Paul talks about the body in the New Testament, most often um, he he might be alluding to the church universal, like the, the the corporate body of Christ. But most often he is speaking in a localized sense, and you can see that because the epistles are written to a local church. The Book of Ephesians is written to 
the Ephesian church, the book of Galatians to Galatia, the book to uh, uh, of of Corinth, First and Second Corinthians to a local church in Corinthians. He's speaking to a local church, and so if you take a look at at First Corinthians twelve, for example, Paul says the body of Christ is made up of many members, just as a physical body has fingers and toes and ears and eyelids and uh, a, a tuchus, right? The body has all these other parts, and, and they all come together. And for the body to function as it's meant to function, all of the members must be, uh, first of all, connected, right? He says, what good is a finger? It says, I have no need for the eye, or, or you know, or vice versa. The, the, the body parts must be connected, but they also must be working harmoniously. They must be serving their function that God has given them, each one playing a sacred part that is honorable in the eyes of the Lord. And some people say, well, I, you know, if I'm part of the body, then I must be the rump because I, I, all I'm good for is sitting on, you know. Well, that actually is not the case because what Paul says here in 1 Corinthians 12 is that the 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 uh, the vessels or the members that are seem to be dishonorable are the ones that are most necessary. It's the ones that, that are viewed as weak or insignificant that the Lord has great purpose for. And so it, it's in this, we see that the Lord has um, a vision for every member, every piece of the body, and, and that are all honorable. Each one serves an honorable function in the eyes of our, in our Lord. And as, as members of the body, we ought to develop an appreciation for the other members that do not share the same sort of giftings and skill sets that we have. And so what, what Paul gets at here, he says, if you are a Christian, you are a member of the church universal. And part of living out of this identity as as a member uh, or a member of the body of the church universal is that you are meant to be detached to other members in a specific locale, and that's what Paul gets at in verse eighteen of First Corinthians twelve. He says, "But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as He chose." And in verse twelve, it goes on and says something similar: God composed. The body, and so what? What is so fascinating about this is that means that God has placed you right in the spot where you are meant to be. That that God has appointed uh, has an appointed place for you as a member of the body, and so there are no there are no um, dispensable parts. Um, everybody has a has a part to play. Everybody has been given a, a role uh, as a member of the body. God has, and not only that, but God has situated you next to other members. Now, this is part of community that, that is fascinating because um, some some churches tend to run small groups that are pretty homogenous, uh, you know, like, hey, this is for, um, you know, single dudes who like to rebuild muscle cars and uh, collect bourbon or something. And so they've got just this one small group that's geared to this. But, but actually, the, the beauty of missional communities is the diversity that we have in that local representation, or even you say within the local church, that that there are people that God places around you that are different from you, and, and there are times that those people might um, be difficult to uh, to interact with because they're just they operate. God given wired them differently. He's given them a different personality than you, right? And so there there might be some difficulty there, but God has placed them right next to you for the purpose of refining you and sanctifying you. And so I think that 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 right there in itself is. Is uh, just some encouragement that that if if you got somebody in your mission community that that is just kind of difficult for you to um, engage with before you kind of like write them off, you got to ask this question: Why did God compose the body the way He did? Why did God arrange the members, me as a member and them as a member, to be right next to each other? And I think when you start exploring that and asking the Spirit to provide um, some insight and guidance into that. Um, there's a lot of, of harmony that will come out of it, a lot of charity, a lot of brotherly love and affection um, that comes of that. And, and you'll find um, that in the gospel, you have way more in common than what you have in different. So um, that, that that's one thing that, that's really important for us as we talk about the members of the body. But let me move on here to say, um, when Paul closes this passage, and it's kind of a long chunk of, of scripture here when he's talking about the members of the body, um, when he closes First uh, Corinthians 12, he says in verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So there he, he does say there is this individual emphasis of 
listen, you you as an individual are part. You have a place. There's there's a, a spot for you here in the body. But then there's also this corporate or this more local sense. When he's speaking to, remember, he's speaking to the church in Corinth. And he says, now you are the body of Christ. And so it is, in one sense, yes, you're part of the church universal. But you are also, as that local church, you are the body of Christ. Um, so th- this is something that, that's really important to rem- to see, to recognize that, that Paul has the local church in view here when he's talking about the body of Christ, that every Christian, um, which is part of, of the church universal, is meant to be vitally connected to a local church as a local member, right? Th- and that's, that's really, like, if you think about it, if we're talking about, okay, each one is a member of the body, well, h- how is that going to be possible in the church universal for, like, millions of people to be a finger. That's going to be a, a wonky body, I think, you know? Um, and, and so when Paul's talking about being a member of the body, there's, there's a specific context. There, there's more of a, 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 not consolidated, but a more concise, um, location or specific location where you are meant to be plugged into. And he says in Romans twelve five, so we being many are one body and everyone members of one another. So, so even think of that, how, if he's talking to the church universal, how are we to to be members of one another if we're if we're separated by so much time and space? And so, for to really live out this this identity, this piece of our of our uh, of our Christian life as the body of Christ means that we must uh, to be members of one another. That 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 connection um, to other people. And so, um, uh, if that's the case. Well, I kind of said this already, but I'll say it again. If Paul's speaking ab- about the body um, in a universal sense in that regard, that we're supposed to be members of one, how am I supposed to be a member to my Christian brother in Ethiopia or in Germany or or even like somewhere closer, like St. Louis for that mo- matter? I, I cannot, even with technology, I cannot do, I cannot be a member of one another in the way that the scripture directs because I am separated by time and space. This means that there must be a local implication. There must be a local manifestation of the statement that that when he says, so we being many are one body in Christ and everyone members of one another, there must be a local uh, application of this. And so we could say this, that the local church, in a sense, is a member of the body of the church universal. But in order to participate in that, to be to be a participant of the church universal as a member of that body means that to, I need to be uh, a member of a local body right here. Okay, so uh, I hope you can see that it's not just the church universal. It is there is a locale um, that God has in mind, a specific context where Christians are to belong and to be members of of the body. Now, one of the things um, that that when, that when we get talking about church membership, people are like, well, why? Why does this seem so formal? Why why do you have this elaborate process? You, you know, I've got to show up to some classes. Um, I've I've got to do some some reading and a little bit of reflection. I've got to go through this interview process. Why do we have this elaborate process um, to to indicate our membership in the body? You look at scripture and you say, well, it seems like it was sort of organic. It was maybe a little more informal um, version of membership rather than having this sort of organized and formal process that we have. At Sacred City, and and I think that um, at first glance that that might seem to be true, um, it might appear that way. But when you study the whole of Scripture, this this idea of the process of church membership actually uh, gets rounded out, where where you can actually see the uh, some of the formalities. And, and we have cauterized; we've made this this process of 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 church membership in, in a way to make because systems. Um, that's one of the way that we exercise dominion is by by creating effective systems. Um, it is it is a piece of a system, but you can see that the system represents something um, that is is demonstrated within Scripture, and even going to um, Acts chapter two verses forty two through forty seven, which is sort of like a home base for our church at Sacred City, um, we see some of the the components of church membership um, kind of coming out out of the woodwork as the the body is taking shape. Um, there are certain things that the, the first believers did together, right? Those 3,000 that got saved at Pentecost, they came together and they started studying the scriptures and, and, and the apostles' teaching. They were praying. There's fellowship. They're spending time together, sharing life together. Um, they were living on mission. They were caring for each other. They were worshiping together, practicing benevolence, meeting the needs of each other, right? They were, they're doing all of these things, 
together. Um, but, but as they're doing this, what they were doing was forming a collective vision of what it looks like to live as the family of God based on the teachings of Jesus and the apostles. So you could say like, I mean, e- even in the, that passage could be a sense of, of this is what they are covenanting to. This is what they're committed to as, as the, these new believers, the, the new body of Christ, uh, right there in Jerusalem. Um, but the most important distinguishing feature of the body, um, it, and you see this right away, right out of the bat, uh, off the bat here in Acts two forty two, is that the members of the body were devoted. That word "devoted" is a very important word um, in understanding what's going on with the church. That they were devoted, and what we see two things: we see um, we see an explicit reference to being devoted to the apostles' teaching. So they, they have this devotion to Christian doctrines. Um, Jesus is teaching the apostles' teaching. Um, so that there's this this doctrinal devotion, um, and they are devoted to one another, which is is clearly articulated as that passage continues in the way that they're living life together. Right, that that is described. So that's not explicit, but it is right there. Sort of, uh, uh, you can you can see how they they kind of flesh it out. And so I think that a good church membership process helps Christians understand what it means to live as a devoted person. Um, church membership is going to lay out this common profession of faith. Uh, we're going to say, here are the tenets of, of Christianity that we're going to hold to. These are close-handed issues. These are non-negotiable things about, about who we are and what we're about and what we believe is true, right? It's about truth. Here's, here's the truth um, that has been revealed to us by God uh, through the, the revelation of Christ. And so there's this common profession of faith. There's this alignment theologically. And, and then with that um, comes the implications of that is this common vision of what it looks like to follow Jesus in the everyday stuff of life. And in fact, I think that those are really the main two components uh, of our church membership covenant at Sacred City Church. Um, it, right off the bat, it says, okay, here's what a covenant is. Um, it's the strongest of, of all promises, right? If you read the Jesus Storybook Bible, that's, that's the, uh, the language they use, um, uh, so here's what a covenant is, and here's what it's about. Um, and then it says, here's what we're committed to. And, and the first thing is this theological thing about what we believe about the scriptures. Scriptures um, are the fi- final arbiter on all, all, all matters, that we believe in the lordship of Jesus Christ over all things, that we believe that the only way to be saved is through uh, faith and the atoning work of Jesus Christ. And so we make these, these and there's just a few off the top of my head, but those are the things that we say, these, this, this is the, these are the Christian tenets that we hold to, and this is what we, according to the, the teachings of Jesus and the apostles' teaching, this is the truth um, that we are aligning ourselves to. Um, and, and then the other part of the membership process is how do you live out that reality? Like how do you, how do you express those truths in the day-to-day life? Um, and, and so that's, that's what our, our church membership covenant is about. And, and we say, Here, here's what you, well, one, here's what you can expect from leaders. And then two, each member is covenanting to, uh, to live their life, to order their life in a specific way as is instructed by the scriptures. Each one of the things that we lay out in our covenant has at least one, two, and in some cases there's like four or five proof texts that say this is a command for Christians to abide by, and as Christians and members of the body, this is what we're going to hold each other to. And so... Um, that that that's really the some like the two main components of the church member covenant is here here's our common profession of faith and here's our common vision, um, but the other part of church membership um, that often is is not talked about and and maybe it's it's one that I think just for our culture we don't like to talk about it um, is that that church membership is about honoring and submitting the lordship of Jesus Christ specifically in the way that we submit to the godly. The, the biblically qualified under shepherds that have been appointed by the Lord Jesus uh, who pastor the flock of God. And, and we can see um, in Hebrews, Hebrews 13, 17, it says this, it says to, to uh, the Hebrew church, I guess, um, those who are, are Jews, um, obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be no of a, no advantage to you. So, there, that that's a um, that is a a passage that I have for a long time had an aversion 
uh, I know it's there. I know it's. I know that that people are, you know, Christians are commanded to obey their leaders. But it almost seems self-seeking to to invoke that. But uh, church leaders should not be um, biblically qualified. I'll say that. So, like, there, there's biblical qualifications for elders laid out um, in, uh, in in Timothy and Titus. Um, Paul writes to those guys and, and gives out gives the the qualifications of elders and deacons. And so, when I'm talking about this leadership, I'm talking about biblically qualified as as the scriptures dictate. Um, that that those who have been have been qualified and called to the ministry should not be ashamed uh, of calling um, the members of the church to obedience, just as as parents should not be ashamed of, of exercising their authority, their God given authority over their own children. Um, and so this is something that the um, membership it, um, represents. Membership calls us to honor the lordship of Jesus by honoring the under shepherds that Jesus has appointed to His church. Um, and, and so. Um, we, we may not like to think, uh, in these terms of submission, of obeying and submission, um, but we have to, the, the Christian faith is about submission. Uh, and, and I don't really, I, I talked about this a little bit in, in one of my previous podcasts about the, the fundamental posture of Christians when we approach the word of God is that of submission, that that's what Jesus is teaching us is to how to, well, when we call him Lord, we are assuming a, an uh, a, a lower, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for, for a, um, a servant role or somebody who is beneath, um, underneath his authority. And so to call Jesus Lord means that we are acknowledging that we are submitting. And that's just something that as a culture, man, we don't like that. And, and it's silly because um, r- regardless of what you do, you're submitting to something. And, and just Christianity at least opens up our eyes to ask the question of, are you actually submitting to something that is good? Um, and, and if you're, you're not submitting to Jesus, the answer is no. And so we submit to uh, Jesus as the good Lord, um, the, the Lord who laid his life down for us. We submit to Jesus as we submit to the word of God. Um, we submit to the church as it is governed by the word and the leaders of the church. And, and we do this, like this, this is a pattern that Jesus himself modeled for us in submitting to the will of the Father uh, as he came from heaven to earth, as is said in John 6, verse 38. So without submission, we have to realize this, without submission, there's no Christianity. If you don't want to submit, right, well, that. That that's what that's what Satan is doing. Satan is choosing a life of anti-submission. At least he's submitting to his own will and his corrupt desires. Um, but the Christian life is um, that of submitting to Christ in all matters. Um, and so, w- without submission among the body, um, uh, the body of Christ, the church, the, the church will deteriorate from a lack of order. Chaos ensues when there's not submission to Christ. It's either Christ or chaos. Period. Um, and our God is a God of order. God, God created and ordered and structured and, and made a beautiful system, and, and He does the same thing within His church. He wants order in His church. It's one of the themes that you see. Um, well, that's that's why He gives household codes, um, not just in the church, but the households, um, husbands and wives, and parents and children, and and masters and bond servants. Like there, there's there's order meant to be had within that, but also there's order meant to be had in the house of God within the church. And God desires to keep a neat and tidy house. So that is why he he calls his people into submission, um, and he calls um, godly and qualified men to to um, to wield a borrowed authority, a stewarded authority from the Lord Jesus to to rule on behalf of Jesus in order to bring the people of God uh, in line with the biblical vision for uh, righteousness and life. Um, and so, listen, here's the question. Going back to that Hebrew Hebrews 13 passage where he says, obey your leaders and submit to them. Um, if you're not a member of a church, how can you possibly obey Hebrews 13? H- how do you know what leader you ought to submit to? Right? Without church membership, you cannot obey that command. Um, especially in this digital age when you could literally listen to, I mean, you, if you wanted to spend all day listening to a different pastor, you could totally do that. Go on YouTube, watch uh, one of those sermons. You can you can jump on, you know, there's all kinds of apps out there. You can find an app and you can say, well, I like this with this guy. But listen, h- how are you going to actually, first of all, if you're doing that, you, you're not living your life. Um but then how do you know who you're going to submit to? What, what pa- You could talk, listen to a dozen different pastors each week. Um, and, and one of the things that church membership does is it makes it clear. Who are your leaders? 
Um, it, it's those who God has called and appointed, qualified, um, and commissioned to lead his church within that local context in which you are planted. Um, and so that that's one of the benefits of church membership. It makes it clear. It tells you who exactly uh, your leaders are and who you ought to submit to. And then the other part of that, the flip side of the coin, is for the leaders of the church, um, without church membership, we don't know who we have to give an account for. Like we don't know who we're responsible to before the Lord if we don't have church membership. Is it is it anybody who pulls up the podcast and gives it a listen? Am I responsible for that person? I've never met them. I don't even know that person exists. In fact, I don't even know if anybody listens to the bis- this podcast as I'm talking into a microphone, right? So it doesn't mean that I'm responsible for that person or somebody who just waltzes through the door and is here for one day and, you know, or, or even somebody who kind of plops in for just maybe a brief season. Am I responsible for that person? And and the scriptures makes it clear for us in church membership of, of who that is specifically uh, as as a church leader, I am responsible to uh, before the Lord, and 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 that is one of the reasons why I said this in our, our membership meeting. Um, the members of Sacred City Moline have my priority. Those who have committed to the church, those who have covenanted, who who have acknowledged their place among the body, and said, "Man, we're here. We're here until the Lord moves us on." You know, for whatever reason that might be, and we could talk about that some other time about um, reasons for leaving a church, but. Um, the, the members of Sacred City Moline have my priority as the pastor it, because I know they've I've made a covenant with them. They've made a covenant with me. I know I'm going to have, a give, have to give an account for the way that I lead and shepherd those specific people. Otherwise, man, that's an impossible task. Um, and, and so getting to this, one of the ways that we indicate church membership is through covenant. One of the ways that we say, hey, here's how I acknowledge my part and my place in the body is that I enter into a covenant. Now, this is important, um, and, and, and a lot of people don't get covenant con- confused with contract. They're not the same thing. Um, a contract is, is there's a different application for that. That's a legal thing. Covenant is, is more of a relational interaction. Marriage is a covenant, right? It's not a contract. And since the beginning of time, God deals with his people through covenant. You've got the Abrahamic covenant. You've got the, the, the Noahic covenant. You've got David's covenant. Um, you've got all kinds of, of these covenants and promises that God has, has made. And that's the primary way that God relates to his people is through covenant. And even now, as, as Christians, as, as, as people, uh, we are people of the new covenant in Christ, right? That, that God has, has fulfilled all the law's demands. And, and so, um, what what we realize here is that that we um, well we follow the, the pattern of, of God that who interacts with his people through covenant is is that it sets sort of a, uh, of a precedent for us to interact with our brothers and sisters through covenant as well right to, to make a, 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 a statement of devotion a statement of commitment to say hey here's what you can expect from me here's what I, I ought to expect from you and and a, a covenant is you know as I said the, the strongest of all promises and, w- and what that means is that um, that even if you don't uphold your end of the commitment I'm still going to stay faithful to mine I'm not going to waver and so I'm, I'm going to hope that you come back around I hope you repent that if you've broken covenant, that you come back and we can be reconciled and we can carry on. But it's a strong commitment that I'm going to stick with it. I'm not. I'm not going to just dip out. Oh, excuse me, that was disgusting. Um, I'm drinking all this Lacroix that's catching up with me. Um, I'm not going to just split when you know when when the the seas get a little uh, dicey. Um, I'm going to stick with it. Um, and so that that's one of the things that um, the church membership does in, in how we express membership is is through covenant. It's how we, um, it says that I'm, I'm committed through thick and thin by the power and the grace of Jesus. And, and this is how we express and indicate our devotion to Jesus, to the teachings of the church, um, the apostles of Christ, and, and our devotion to the body of Christ and the mission of Christ. And, and so what it does, this covenant keeps us from being a fair weather fan. It keeps us from, from jumping ship when things are dicey. Um, and it's because, you know, e- we realize it's through those conflicts, it's through those those times of difficulty that the Lord brings growth and refinement through this discipline, and and in that, um, because we're not fair weather fans, um, we uh, it, it kills our individualism. Um, it. It, it just kind of put, puts the, the foot on the throat of individualism and, and says, I, I am not my own, but I've been bought by Christ. Um, and, and here, Christ has placed me, right, just as we saw in, in 1 Corinthians. He's arranged the body in a specific way. I'm, I'm placed right here um, within the community. Now, I'm wrapping it up here. And the final thing 
that I want to to talk about about like why church membership is important. Um, and it brings us to a touchy subject, which I'm not going to dive all the way into, um, but it, but it's an important topic, one that Jesus speaks of in in um, Matthew 18, um, and and one that comes up in First Corinthians five. Um, is that the matter of church discipline? That that without church membership, there is no way to exercise church discipline. Now, let me back this up a little bit and say this: that Christians are ambassadors for Christ. That God is making His appeal through us. So we are representatives of Christ. We are meant to the way that we live, um, the way that we we navigate our lives is meant like we we exist for the glory and the fame of Jesus. And that is demonstrated by our good works and a righteous life, okay? And, and, and so then the question is, what happens uh, when we no longer re- represent Jesus as we ought to? Now, there's a case of this in 1 Corinthians 5, which I mentioned, where there is a young man uh, who is having an affair with his mother-in-law, a Christian man, okay? So y- you think that our church is messed up. That, that's a whole nother level of, of, of drama right there. So he's he's in living in unrepentant sin. He's been confronted into sin. He has not turned and repented. He does not see the sin and the folly in that. He does not see how he's dishonoring the Lord Jesus. He does not see how he's 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 sinning against his own body. He doesn't see that. He's living in this unrepentant sin. And as he d- does that, not only is he devi- defiling himself, not only is he um, uh, incurring sin upon his body, which will, will bring about condemnation if not dealt with in repentance and faith, he is misrepresenting Jesus. It says that he, that he's defiling the church and misrepresenting Jesus. And so what Paul does, he instructs the Corinthians, those who are faithful, um, to have no part with him. To, to, to like, well, you might say to like kind of shun, to turn away, to turn him away um, because of his sinful li- lifestyle. Now, shunning, that, that's not the right word. I, I, would, I would rewind that and, and maybe use a better word there. But, but they are instructed to remove him from the membership and treat him like an outsider. So shunning would basically be giving you the silent treatment and pretending like you don't exist. Here, what's happening is there's, there's a change in the way in which he's treated. So he goes from being a member of the church to being an outsider, somebody who's detached. So instead of being on mission with this dude, they are now on mission to this dude because he has, he has turned away from Jesus. He's rejected the Lordship of Christ. Um, and, and so Paul instructs the church that he needs to be removed for the sake to, in order to protect the name of Jesus, in order to protect the other people in the church, right? Because his sin uh, is not a victimless crime. He's not the only one that's being hurt by his sin. And so um, this guy's got to get removed from the church. But in order to kick somebody out of the church, there has to be an in, right? In order to kick somebody out, there has to be an in. And so without church membership, there cannot be church discipline, um, so to be faithful to Matthew 18, to be faithful to the call of, of 1 Corinthians 5 when there's somebody in unrepentant habitual sin, that, that in order to remove him from the church, that there has to be a way for them to, to acknowledge their belonging uh, you know, that, that preceded uh, their, their removal of the church. And so, guys, this, these are all like biblical cases for why church membership exists. And then hopefully it provides a little bit of, of nuance to uh, what church membership is and gives you a little bit more understanding. And I just want to close with this and say that church membership is essential for growth, okay? Church membership is essential for growth, both on the, on the personal level and on the, uh, on the more corporate, the, the local church level, um, that, that church membership is, is essential for faithfulness. Like this, this is not like church membership is a matter of obedience to Jesus. Church membership is essential for flourishing for the local church because, because it says all of this, you know, like of, of what I mentioned before, that says here, here are the doctrines that we are devoted to. Here's the truth. Here's the revelation that we're committed to. And without a, a theological standard, um, heresy will run rampant among the church. And so there has to be a standard. There has to be, this, this, is, what, this is what is true. Otherwise, you know, you just start making up your own rules. Um, and so church membership does that, provides that here, here, is our, here are our theological tenets. Here are the things that, that we are committed to as non-negotiable, um, 
And the other side of that is, is the church membership provides um, a template of devotion. Here's what it looks like for me as an individual to follow Jesus. Um, here's what it looks like for me as a, a community member, as, as a member of whether it be a missional community or whatever. Um, here's what it looks like for me to follow Jesus. Here's what it looks like for me to, to live in the city and to be on mission um, following Jesus. And it gives clarity um, to those who we ought to submit to, right? To, to obey that, that command, to, to uh, obey your uh, leaders and to submit to them. Um, it, it gives clarity uh, on, on obedience to that command. And then again, it provides a way to exercise for us, to exercise faithful in Christ-honoring church discipline. Now, here, here's, here's the good news, that later on in 2 Corinthians, after Paul uh, tells them to remove that dude from the church because he's, he's acting a fool, um, he responds positively to church discipline. He gets removed. He experiences this pinch uh, of being an outsider. He feels that separation uh, from God that, that his sin has brought about uh, on him, that he's chosen to live in unrepentant sin. He feels the, the relational separation. He's no longer in the same relational standing as he was with uh, those that maybe were in his missional community before. Um, and and, it, and, it, and the Spirit uses that to uh, provoke him towards repentance. And, and so it, it's not, that's what, and really that's what church discipline is about. It's not about, it's not this final, you know, down comes the gavel and forever you're, you're excommunicated. Uh, church discipline, the aim of church discipline is meant to be restorative. It, it's meant to restore those who are sinned, those who are trapped in sin, to, to give them the opportunity to, to be freed from sin, to realign their life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and to honor the name of Jesus Christ. And that's what faithful church discipline is about. It's about honoring the name of Jesus Christ, and especially what he commands us in Matthew chapter 18. And so I, I, as I wrap it up here, hopefully that's that's a, you know, and I, I don't get to say this stuff from the front of the the room during the announcements. This is all really important stuff, compelling reasons of why you should pursue church membership, or if you're a member uh, of Sacred City already, of, of why uh, why you are a member, biblical reasons why. And so um, if you're a member, hopefully that gives you a little bit more of, a, uh, of an appreciation for your membership. It gives you a little more biblical conviction. Um, and for those of you who call Sacred City Church your home and you are not yet a member, I want to invite you into the membership process. Listen, um, I'm not asking for you... Um, I, well, first, here's what it is. The process is this. It's, it's a three-week series of, of meetings um, starting on February 6th and running the, the, the you know three sub- subsequent weeks there from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Um, it's taught by myself and the elders of, of Sacred City Davenport, um, and we're going over a bunch of things. We're going over what is the gospel. We're going over what does it mean, uh, what is church membership all about, which maybe this will, I think that this, what I just said here, will provide even more, uh, you know, It'll. This took probably took take you in a little bit deeper, uh, in some ways than than what what that that initial um, session's about. Uh, talks about church history and and how do we make sense of where we are in time and space and all of these things. So, it's really meant to help equip you to understand, to give you an understanding, and then of course, um, the covenant piece of that of what what we're calling you to do as a Christian, and, and ways to hold you accountable. Um, whether that's through financial giving, whether it's through um, your your character and morality and um, the way that you conduct your life and your household, those are, are all kind of included in that membership um, uh, covenant. Um, and, and so I want to invite you in to at least hear about it. And then if you want to move forward, the, the next phase of, of the process is to sit down. Um, with me and have a, an interview. And I, I want to hear your story. I want to get to know you. After all, if you, you're going to join uh, this church as a member, I, I want to know you in a in a substantial way, at least in at, at the point where our church is the size where that's that's a feasible. Um, as we grow, that that and the plurality of elders uh, is necessary, and hopefully here on the horizon, um, that that I won't be able to do that with every single member, but at least an elder will have a meaningful connection with every single member of, of the church. Um, and so I just want to call you into this and and just here's, here's the final reminder here for you. Um, or I guess exhortation is that church membership is not a matter of preference. Um, you don't join a church because you like, um, you like the, the style of music. You don't, you don't, join a church because you like, you know, that they have a small group on a certain day of the week that works best for you. Those, those, you know, 
those might all be benefits, I suppose, of, of becoming a member and, and maybe tertiary factors. Um, but the primary reason why we pursue church membership is not a matter of preference, but a matter of obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's called us into this. And so come come on out. Come join us for uh, this next round of church membership. Um, uh, and for those of you who, who just renewed your membership covenant, um, God be with you. Like, we, we hold our, our members in high regard. We, it's not like a low bar of, you know, we just want you to, you know, show up on Sunday mornings. I mean, that's part of the covenant, uh, but that's certainly not the, the full extent of it. We're, we're calling you to live the way that Jesus calls us to live, um, and we want to help you as, as, as an elder, as a leader of the church, pastor of Sacred City Moline. Um, my job is to help you along in, in submitting to the Lordship of Jesus in all matters of life. And so um, let let church membership be one of those things. If you have any questions about this, um, uh, let me know. And, and I think what, what I have planned here um, is to kind of kind of go through over the next couple of weeks as I get time to sit down and record um, and talk through a little bit more about the church um, and, and things that I don't get to talk about um, all of the time. Things like, you know, what do pastors do, right? Because, you know, people assume that the, the only day of the week, I mean, this is jokingly, maybe being, being facetious here, uh, the only day of the week that I work is a, is a Sunday. Um and so what exactly do pastors do? What's my responsibility, right? When, when, when uh, that Hebrews passage of, of, you know, what does it mean for them to have responsibility that they've given account? Like, what are the things um, that they have to, what are the, the criteria and benchmarks that the Lord is going to evaluate um, pastors on? I want to talk about, you know, why we do things the way that we do on a Sunday gathering, why we choose some of the songs that we sing, uh, and, and why we do liturgy the way that we do it, um, and, and things of that nature. And so I just kind of want to provide uh, a little more explanation to, to help give you an appreciation for these things and and help you to see that that um that nothing that we do is just like um uh just cuz like a whim or you know kind of feels right or something like i'm not saying that we've got everything nailed down perfectly but but there's uh there is a level of thoughtfulness that goes into nearly everything that we do as a church and i want to bring you into that and hopefully give you a little bit of of appreciation for that but also to show you um, how like the reason that we do that is because we see biblical precedent to do the things that we do, and, and when we say that that the Bible is the final arbiter on all matters, that the Bible um, gives us basically it, it's it's the the authority of life. It, it instructs us. It it gives us what we need um, to understand our place in life and how we ought to conduct ourselves. Like I want to show you how that applies even within church life, um, not just in the in the uh, the homestead and whatnot. So. That's it uh, for today. Um, I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Uh, I'm praying for you. Um, I, I've just was so encouraged by uh, our membership uh, covenant members meeting that that happened, and I'm really looking forward to the next batch of of uh, church membership classes that I hope to have uh, many of you join us for. So uh, until Sunday, you guys take care. Um, getting your Bibles, feast to flourish. Remember, getting that daily Bible reading time. Um, spend time, meditate on the Word of God. Let it, let it, uh, let it saturate your hearts and your minds, and and uh, and infiltrate your imagination. And and uh, and then on Sunday, we're uh, getting back together to go through uh, the rest of Ezra chapter three. Looking forward to that. And uh, I can't wait to worship with you guys. So take care. Have a great week. Uh, make much of Jesus as you go. Amen.